All right, come on, give God praise real quick. Jimmy was talking about his kids, and uh, I think it was probably about, I don't know, four, I, I can't get the exact time frame, maybe four or five months ago, we got the opportunity to baptize his son Dylan right here at Victory Church. So come on, can we give God praise real quick, what God's doing, his impact. Do me a favor, say this with me. Say, God wants to do more through me. Do you believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. Look, my name is Troy, and my wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you're visiting with us, what a great, great day to be here. We want to say welcome. So glad you could be here. I can't wait for you to get invitations in your hands after service. I'm holding one of them right now. Got one of them in my back pocket. We were talking last week about it being a circle of influence, and they're already a circle. God's already moving, right? He's already prophetic about this whole situation. And uh, I'm just excited for you. I want to kind of just give you an insight. On Sunday the 21st, which is two weeks from now, we'll go out of here, and we'll go right down, get our kids, and we'll go out to inflatables, free food, Kids egg hunts, adult egg hunts, and it is just going to be an incredible atmosphere. And so you're going to hear me talk a little bit more about this today. But go ahead and right now be praying, be thinking, as Pastor Brian said, about who it is that you're going to invite. Because as I watched the video that uh, Jimmy filmed and be able to see that testimony, I, here's the question that came, or here's the thought that popped in my head. There's more Jimmys out there. Right? There's more Jimmys out there. And so for them to be able to hear about Jesus and to be able to be impacted, I'm telling you, that's what we want to be a part of. Amen? You ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23. We are in a series called More. This series will actually come to a close next Sunday. And this whole series has been wrapped around uh, experiencing the more that God has for us and the more that God wants to do in us. And in the past few weeks, we've really been focusing on how God wants to do more through us. And I believe that. And I actually believe that the more God does through us, the more automatically we feel him moving in us. And we've kind of been following along with the life of David during this series and kind of following him from the pasture to the palace and all this stuff from killing Goliath to running from Saul. And last week, if you were here, here's what we talked about, that kind of out of nowhere, God sends David this, this group of people that he had assigned to David to be their leader uh, that we believe that God wanted to make his appeal through David to them. And he kind of assigned them to David. And we went on to talk about how in the same way we have a group of people assigned to us. And it is kind of, you know, we, we talked about how sociologists say it's normally about 12 people. And those people could involve your family and your coworkers and friends and all these different things. But the people that God has put around you, he's put around you on purpose so that you can impact their life. That's the reason Paul calls it the sphere of influence is what he calls it. There's people in your life that God wants you to impact. Matter of fact, we were driving, yes, I was riding with Jimmy. Me and Jimmy took three of the kids with us so that the kids could run and put out the door hangers and me and Jimmy could sit there and talk in a truck. You know what I mean? Hey, don't work hard, work smart. You know what I'm saying? And, and so at one time the kids were like, no, no, y'all are going to go out and do it. And we, you listen to three little girls when they tell you what to do. And so me and Jimmy grabbed the door hangers, and we went out, and we were, we were finishing up. And as we were driving, Jimmy said, wait a minute, I save one. I know a guy's house. We need to go put it by. And I said, all right. And so we drove by there, and he put it on his doorway. And again, that's just somebody that God wants to use Jimmy to impact through. You know what I mean? And it's important for us to understand that. And now that we know who we're supposed to impact, here's kind of the question. How do we impact them? I know who they are. But, but exactly how 
do I impact them? I want to show you just a few verses in the book of Sam, 1 Samuel 23 that are going to show us how we do that. Okay, so we're going to start at verse 14. We'll read through, I think it's verse 19 or 18. Um, here we go. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Sif. Say that with me. Say Sif. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it sounded cool. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. And while David was at Horesh in the desert of Sif, good, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. So David's in hiding, and he finds out that Saul's coming to take his life. And now watch this. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Here's one of my favorite lines in these verses. Even my father Saul knows this. Can I tell you something? Even the enemy that's attacking you knows the purpose God has on your life. You need to hear that. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, and David remained at Horesh. So David is on the run. He's still on the run from Saul. We see him struggling in a stronghold. He can't be found. Scripture says that Saul cannot find him. Right? He's found the ultimate hiding place. Y'all remember playing uh, uh, hide and seek when you were a kid? Did you ever find like the ultimate hiding space? You know what I'm talking about? No, nobody could find you. So David has found that spot, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's Jonathan. God sends Jonathan, and here was the part that blew my mind. For three verses, he's only there for three. He shows up. He speaks. He leaves. He's only there for three verses, and he only actually speaks in one verse. But the Bible says that Jonathan encourages David. And I thought, the more I looked over that, and I thought, man, what, what really happened here, God? How, how strategic are you that your son David is in the wilderness, in a stronghold, struggling, and you would send Jonathan all the way in just to pop in, encourage him, and pop out? And I just felt that in my spirit, that that's what God has called us to do. That there are people in our lives struggling in strongholds, and God has called us to pop in, encourage them, and pop out. Sometimes we think impacting people's lives means we got to commit the rest of our lives to it. Sometimes he just needs one verse. Sometimes you just need to say one quick thing, encourage them, strengthen them, and move on. It's important that we understand that God wants to do that through us. But what I want to do this morning just briefly is I want to attack the two ifs that tend to stop us from allowing God to operate through us. There are two ifs that I find most of the time when I'm talking to somebody and I start talking about how much God wants to impact people through them and how much God wants to speak through them and how God's going to do more through them. They tend to come back with two ifs, and I want to address those two ifs today. Here's the first if. The first if is if I knew what to say. Right? You ever, you ever had somebody say, if, if I knew what to say, I, I would do that if I knew what to say. The, the other if was this, and I'm going to break it down a little bit more later to explain, but it's, but if you knew my story, if you knew what I had been through, God can't use me if, if you knew. And so we're going to break down those two ifs. And the first one we're going to address is if I knew what to say. And here's my statement to it. Here it is. Number one, you ready? It's not what we say, it's what we do. I, I would really allow God to operate through me. I really believe God could speak to people if I just knew what to say. You ever been there? Listen, I read the Bible on a weekly basis, and I don't always know what to say. 
And I understand the struggle of like, you know, here's this person. What if they come back at me? What if they know the Bible more than me? What if they start debating something that I'm not 100% sure of? And so I really want to impact their lives, and I really want to speak to them. I really want God to use me, but I don't know what to say. And I'm learning that it's a lot more about what you do than it is what you say. Look at the verses 15 and 16. It says, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Sif, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life, and Saul's son, Jonathan, what? Went. He went to David. I was reading this in the King James Version, and here's what it said. It said, Jonathan rose, and he went. So all week I'm studying this, and here was my question that I kept getting stumped on. How did Jonathan strengthen David? What did he do? Because if I could figure that out, I could come and give it to you and be like, all right, do this. Walk up and give him 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Whatever Jonathan did that really strengthened David, then, then if we could just learn that. And he says a few things after that, and I thought, okay, maybe it was what he said. And I, and I kept looking at what he said, and I thought, well, I don't know about that because we all have different situations. And I was reading what theologians say, and they were saying it wasn't what he said, and, I, and they were saying maybe he prayed for him. And, all. and finally I came to this conclusion. You ready? What if it wasn't what Jonathan said, but what if it was the fact that he came? Think about this. Jonathan is in the palace. He's the son of the king. He's in comfort. The Bible says that he rose. To me, that means he got out of his chair, his throne, his comfort, his security. He rose from safety, and then he went to David. So what if it wasn't what he said? What if it was what he did? Because here's an even deeper thought. For Jonathan to get up and go to David, he risked his life. First of all, he risked his life with his dad, Saul, because if Saul finds out that he's going to help David, Saul's going to kill him. He's already tried to kill him before, a few chapters before. So he risked his life leaving, and then when he gets to David, now remember, y'all, David's hiding. He's got 400 bad boys on his side, just mean, broke, busted, disgusted group of guys sitting there with weapons. They're all fighters, and all of a sudden, this boy comes walking in their hiding place. What would have stopped them from just cutting his head off, right? Hi, I'm shoop, gone. Didn't even have the time to talk. So he risked his life both ways. And I'm starting to learn more and more that the weight of what God wants to do through me is not in my talk, but it's in my walk. Right? It's not about what I say. It's about what I do. That people are literally watching what I do. And I can actually impact somebody by what, by what I do more than what I could say. Let me, let me tell you something that happened this morning that was pretty profound. I had a really, really busy day yesterday, so I was really tired. Um, and I just kind of woke up. Sometimes, y'all ever had those mornings where you wake up and the enemy's just attacking you? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, is it just me? Some of y'all? Okay, some of y'all. And, and so we'll just get together and have like a counseling session together later. And, and, and so it was just one of those mornings. It was a tough morning. I was struggling. I wasn't feeling good. I was having a tough morning. And I got ready. I didn't have my phone. It was, it was, uh, it was I think it was somewhere else in, out in the kitchen area. And I was getting ready. And I got ready. And I walked out. And I grabbed my phone. And I looked at my phone just to see what time it was. And I had just a little message from Debbie. And I opened it up and it said, praying for you, brother. And that was so incredible for me. And that was all encouragement based off of what she did. It wasn't about what she said. She didn't quote Jeremiah. You know, she just said, hey, I'm praying for you. It was what she did in that moment. And I'm starting to learn that God really wants to do something through us, but he wants to do it more through what we do than what we say. There's a quote from Francis of Assisi. How about that for a name? If you're having kids soon, make sure you name your kid that. 
right? Hi, this is Jonathan, this is Ted, this is Rebecca, and this is Francis of Assisi. Like, that's just kind of, you know, whatever. Um, here was a quote from him. Preach the gospel at all times. Preach the gospel at all. Preach it at your work. Preach it at Subway when you're in line getting you a sandwich. Preach it in the grocery store. Preach it, preach it in your neighborhood. Preach it at all times. And then I love this. And when necessary, use words. Always preach the gospel. When you leave here today and you go to lunch, preach the gospel. But you don't have to use words. I used to tell interns in Memphis, we had youth interns, and I would tell them, look, if you're going to go to a restaurant, because they would always, we're going to go and share the gospel. I'd say, listen, you better be prepared to tip well. Don't you walk in there talking about Jesus and then leave 50 cent. You know what I'm talking about? Not the rapper, the amount. You know, like that would be bad. Like it's about what you do. And so he says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I'm just learning that people don't care what you say. They're watching what you do. And this really became real to me uh, when I first started kind of going to the gym often. It was in Memphis when I started going to the gym. I didn't really know anything about what to do. Like, I didn't, I didn't know all the forms and all the processes and all that. I was just in there lifting weights, trying to figure stuff out. And this one guy came in every day, the same time I worked out. He came in every day. And he was really, really uh, good, I guess you would say, to come and tell me how I should work out. Y'all know those kind of people? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they would just come and say, hey, man, you're not, you're not doing that right. You need to do this, you need to do that. Which would have been fine if he knew how to work out. That'd be fine. But let me describe to him for a little bit, all right? First of all, he always came in. Y'all know these people came in with shorts way too small, right? Those kind of people. And his shirt was way too small. And let's just say this. He wasn't in shape, okay? And so it, it didn't happen that anytime he was doing any kind of like up press, his shirt would come up to about right here. I'm not lying to you. I'm talking whole belly just out right there. Like there it is. There it is right there. And so I'd be over there doing some kind of workout like, oh, goodness. And then this is what he would do. He would run over to the, to the weights, and he'd pick up a dumbbell, and he'd go, Put it down. Run over here. Pick up this thing. Put it down. And I was like, what is happening right now? I, I'm just on this one machine, just kind of, I'm watching him. I'm not even just like, what is happening right now? And then he would come over, and he'd be like all jazzed up because he was probably on like, you know, pre-workout and whatever, monsters. And he came up and be like, man, you're not doing it right. And I'd be like, I don't even think you know what this is. Like, this is a gym, and I don't know what you, he'd just be, uh, uh. And I just found out that I didn't care what he said because I was watching what he did, right? So then we move here, and I get a membership at the YMCA, and I'm working out one day. Scout likes to work out with me a lot, so we're working out together, and we look over, and there's this girl, and she is on, I'm not doing this, because again, as always, my pants are too tight. She's on the ground, on her knees, okay? On her knees, on the ground, and in one move, she jumps up from her knees onto her feet. I was like, who is that? It's like the bionic woman, you know what I mean? And so I, I was like, I have, she actually goes to church here. Y'all probably seen her, Caitlin. She walks around, like, you know, female Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so, so I was like, we got to know her because I can't jump up from my knees to my feet. I can't jump up from my feet to my feet. And so this was really interesting to me. And so now I had to know her, and I wanted her insight on what I was doing because if what you do interests me, then I want to know what you say, Right? 
right? But if what you do does not interest me, I don't care what you have to say. And so I'm learning as a Christian that the lives that God wants me to impact, the people that he's put around me, are not so much caring about what I have to say if they are not interested in what I am doing. But if they say, man, there's something different about him, right? If they see me driving on I-24 and traffic comes over and I don't freak out and flip people off and hit the horn, maybe they're like, okay, there's something different about him, right? And now there's something different about what I'm doing, so they're interested in what I'm saying. I run into so many people who immediately stop telling people about Jesus because they don't know what to say. And I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to say anything. Just do something, right? There are over 100 people every week that show how much they love Jesus in this church by what they do. I got the privilege to go be in the V Kids huddle this morning, and I'm standing around a circle full of men and women who right now, as you sit in here and enjoy service, they are ministering to your children. And I got to take this second, I got to shut it out, because in this room right now, for probably one of the first times, is both our nursery director and our V Kids elementary directors, all right? So real quick, Sam Q, stand up for a second. Auntie, stand up for a second. Stand up. Come on, can we give them a hand real quick? Yes. Here's what I'm learning. You're preaching to people not by what you say, but by what you do. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm in this room, and I'm in a circle with people, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We, when, we, when we serve, when we operate and we serve God, we are preaching the gospel. Nobody cares if you know the Greek and Hebrew of it. I heard a pastor say this, and I loved it. When the people around you are drowning, drowning, they do not care what the Greek word for a life raft is. They want you to throw them one, right? So it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. You have an opportunity with these invites to do something, to walk up to somebody. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say to him. I was driving with Jimmy again yesterday, and if you know Jimmy, he is a walking billboard for Jesus. And I'm in the car with them, and I get real shy around people. I know you're like, what? It's just weird. I just, I do. And so I don't want to, like, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, like, get in their grass or whatever. And so we pull up, and there's this guy in his vehicle, and I'm like, maybe we should skip this house. Like, this is weird. I don't want to walk up past him and put, he goes, give me that. And he walks up, and this flip flops, and he's like, hey, brother. Hey, brother, I want to invite you to Easter, man. Love you, love Jesus. Goodbye. And I was like, what in the world? He's just doing. He, he doesn't care what he says. He's so in love with Jesus that what he says is irrelevant. It's what he does. I was reading this story one time in the Bible, and you might be familiar with it. And, and, and it's real, real popular. And the way the story operates is Jesus is at a dining room table, basically, and this, he's kind of having a dinner party. A bunch of uh, uh, Christian people are there. And this woman named Mary walks in, and she's kind of got a past, Right? And she walks in with this very expensive perfume. Y'all heard this story? Some of y'all heard this story? It was, very, and they, it was in a, what they called an alabaster box. All right? It was pure nard is what it was. And she walks in with this very expensive perfume. And the Bible says she walks in and she walks past people. And it's up here. Here's, here's, here's the scripture. And she gets to Jesus' feet and she breaks it. It's real expensive. Right? She breaks it. 
And she pours it on Jesus, and it's just this incredible, incredible story and this incredible moment of worship. And you can see it right here in Mark 14, you kind of read through it. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar, poured the perfume on his head. And I always loved that. Don't, 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 don't go yet. And, and there, but there was always a part to this story that was even more interesting to me. Okay, because that goes through the rest of the story. But I want to show you what verse 9 says in that chapter. Watch what verse 9 says. It says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. And so, first of all, what, what an incredible honor, Right? That wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, here's how I can show you that the Bible is authentic. We're talking about the gospel, and we're talking about her story, right? So literally, we're doing what that verse said, that whenever the gospel is preached, the story will be told. And I was thinking about this this week, and here's the thought that came to my mind. You ready? You ready? Here was the thought. All of a sudden, boop, I went, she never said a word. There is no recording of her speaking at all in that moment. She walked in. You ever been in, y'all ever watched March Madness with a bunch of guys, right? They're, they're drinking and eating, having a good time. It's loud when you go in there. So that's what this environment, and she comes in, everybody's talking. So you think she could come in and be like, hey, look at me. But she came in, she goes up to Jesus, she breaks it, she, and there's a moment of worship, a moment of worship. And the Bible says what she has done. And Jesus says, man, everywhere the gospel's preached, we're going to talk about this. She never said a word, showing me that our actions speak louder than our words, and that the gospel could be preached through us to the sphere of influence that we have in our life, and it has nothing to do with what we say and everything to do with what we do, right? So over these next two weeks, when God starts laying on your heart to speak to somebody, do not allow the enemy to say to you, well, if you knew what to say. It's not about what you say, it's about what you do. If you want to know exactly how to say it, go to the Jimmy School of Evangelism. <laughs> Pull him over after church. What'd you say? Just go with, hey, brother. He's good every time. I don't care if she's a woman. Be like, hey, brother. It works every time. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you do, right? So that's the first if we always fight with. If I knew what to say. But here's the one I really want to talk about, and it's that if you knew my story. I run into this so much, people who are being told that God wants to operate through them, and they go, but you just don't know my mess. Like, like I understand God wanting to speak through them, and I understand God wanting to speak through her and him, but, but if, you, if you just knew what I've done, if you just knew my story, then you would know God doesn't want to operate through me. And the more I was reading that, here was the question I came to. Why Jonathan? Why Jonathan? Why does God send Jonathan? Throughout Scripture, God has sent prophets that were dead. God has sent angels. God has sent himself. Why Jonathan? I was like, well, first of all, it's because he's in his sphere of influence. I get it. But then I started thinking about it like this. Jonathan can relate to David. Let me explain. Number one, Jonathan was in line for the throne before David came along, right? He was the only son of Saul, so he was going to be king. 
So here we are praising David, and Jonathan could easily be in the background going, you just took my job. But he doesn't do that. Second, there are stories, we haven't talked about them in here, but we skipped over them in different, different verses, where, his, where Saul uh, reacted to Jonathan, yelled at Jonathan, disowned Jonathan, said mean things to Jonathan, just like David. There's even a time where Saul threw a spear at Jonathan, just like he did David. And so when Jonathan shows up to where David is, they can relate to one another. Because Jonathan's kind of going through what David's going through. And I don't know about you, but I'm learning that for some reason, there's just something encouraging about having somebody around me who can relate to what I'm going through. Right? Like, anybody praying for you is great. But when somebody prays for you and you find out they've been through what you've been through, there's just something encouraging about it. Right? When my parents got a divorce, I was 11 years old. And I started going to church a couple few years later, and I would get around people, and for some reason, people would encourage me, but when I got around youth and young adults who had also had divorced parents, it just, it encouraged me on a different level, because I knew these kids could kind of relate to my life. And when I was going through that whole kidney stone thing and surgeries, and I, was, I thought I was going to die, I could relate to people who had prayed for healing before, because I knew they had been, and it's just something about being able to relate to people that are going through what you're going through. And I'm learning that the very thing that the enemy told me was the reason that I can't minister to people is the very reason that I can. And and you need to learn this, that the very thing that the enemy's been telling you about yourself and saying this is the reason you can't impact lives is the very reason God says that you can. Let me give you a better illustration. Uh, how many of y'all have ever been out of town before and you didn't know where you were and you needed directions? Anybody in here ever been out of town before and you needed directions, right? Okay, now depending on how deep you are from the south, uh, you, you would have a five-word question that you would ask them before. All right, so, so I'm going to set you up a scenario. Here you are, you're me, you go out of town, you need directions because you don't know where you are. You look for somebody to ask them. You walk up, and before you ask them for directions, you ask this question. Again, depending on how deep you are from the south, it's either five words or four words. If it's five words, here's the question. Are you from around here? Right? If you're not too deep from the south, it would be, are you from here? It just depends. Y'all ever done that before? Right? The reason why you're asking that question is because you want to make sure that this person has legitimate information and intel to be able to get you where you want to go. Because if they're not from around here either, they can't what? Help you. And so when you walk up to somebody, hey, I need directions, I'm not from here, but are you from around here? And I'm starting to learn that there's kind of a catch to that when it comes to sharing the gospel. And that there are a lot of people who are struggling in strongholds right now, and when people come to help them, people come to encourage them, they are used to asking this question, are you from around here? Because if you haven't dealt with what I've dealt with, then I'm not sure I'm interested in what you have to say. I want to know that you have been from around here. Because if you've been from around here, then you know how to navigate where we're going. But if you haven't been from around here, then it might not interest me as much when you come to try to encourage me. Listen to me. The reason why you went through what you went through, it's not God's fault. But God will use it. 
And God will take it, and because now when you come up around somebody and they go, are you from around here, you can say, yes, I'm from around here, right? Right? I understand, single moms, that it's not easy, but God will put you in the place with another single mom who's struggling, and she'll look at you and say, are you from around here? And instead of being somebody who doesn't know how to relate to her, you can say, yes, I am from around here. And because you are from around there, you're able to impact her life. Listen to me, divorcees. I know that it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And I know that the enemy's been telling you that God will never use you. But there are people who have struggled in marriages and they need to know that God is for them and that God is with them. And God will use where you were to be able to impact where they are. It's all about, are you from? Yes, I am from around here. And then the best moment happened to me two weeks ago. We were in Memphis uh, for spring break, my daughter's birthday. And she had like a spring break week. And so we went to the zoo on Tuesday. We're walking through the Memphis Zoo. We've been there a hundred times. And uh, we, were, we were born and raised in Memphis, in case you don't know that. And uh, we're walking through the Memphis Zoo. Got Casey Ray, Veda, Darla. And this woman and her kids, they kind of come up near us. They said, excuse me, sir. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are you from around here? And it was so funny. Me and Darla, like, paused and looked at each other because we didn't even know what to say. You know, it was like, I'm, we hadn't been asked that since we left. And so for about, it felt like an hour, but it was probably like three seconds. We just kind of looked at each other. And, and I didn't think about it until recently, but here's what I told her. I said, well, I used to be. I'm not from around here anymore. I used to be here, but, but I've moved but I can still navigate you if you need to get somewhere. If you want to know where rendezvous is, I can get you to rendezvous. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not from here anymore, but I still know how to navigate it. If this ain't the gospel, I don't know what is, all right? I, are you from around here? I, I used to be. I used to be from around here, but I'm not, I don't live here anymore. God has delivered me. God has set me free. God has put my feet on new ground. But if you need to get to rendezvous, I can still get you to rendezvous. You know what I mean? I still know how to navigate you out of this situation because somebody helped navigate me out of this situation. And because somebody helped navigate me, I haven't forgot how to get there. I don't live here anymore, but I still know how to get around. Uh, it's been interesting. I'll go back to Memphis and I can just go places without, I don't need GPS. Because I was there long enough that I still remember how to get there. But you know what? It doesn't affect what I know when I come home. And when I come home, I still know how to get around my home. Because this is where I live, but that's where I was from. And so I can be from one place so that I can help navigate people, but I can be in a new place. This is the gospel. That Jesus will take you out of where you were from and put you where you are. But don't forget about it. Do not forget it. Don't, don't resent it. The very thing the devil wants you to resent, God wants to recycle. I'm telling you, the, the, the thing that you would have prayed gone, God will put purpose on it. Don't get angry about it. Don't get upset about it. Don't be mad at God about it. God didn't put you there, but God got you out. And now that God got you out, God's saying, hey, don't resent it. I want to recycle it, and I want to reuse it because I got more children that are struggling with that, and they're stuck in that same stronghold 
and I can use you because you can relate to them. And I can send you to that very place. And when you get there, they're going to ask you, are you from around here? And they've ran into a lot of people that kept telling them, no, I can't, uh, I'm sure it's rough, but isn't it hard when somebody says, I know what you're going through, and they don't know what you're going through? That means a lot more when you can relate to what I've been through. And I'm starting to learn that when it comes to my past, I need to be able to put a purpose on it. We're all about purpose here at this church. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose, right? Right? We've said that, right? You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. Wow! And when you hear that, you think, I'm here at this church because I have a purpose. Woo! It's true. It's 100% true. But listen to me. It, it's really more this. I'm here where I am in life on purpose because I have a purpose. Man, why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to go through that? Why did God make me go through that? He didn't make you go through it, but he will recycle it and use it because there's somebody who also is going through it, and they're looking for someone who's around from around there, and he will use you if you'll open up your mouth and you'll speak. It'll become your mess becomes your message, right? I love what Paul said. Can I show you? This is, this is the, the coolest verse. If you've ever dealt with something, you've ever gone through something, if something didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, and you constantly wonder why God made you go through this, watch this. We are in, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 6 and 7. We are in deep trouble for bringing you God's comfort and salvation. Paul's in prison from trying to share the gospel. Luckily for us, that won't happen today, maybe. Depends on how crazy you get, okay? We're in deep trouble for trying to bring you God's comfort and salvation. But in our trouble, God has comforted us. And this too, to help you. Watch this. What I'm gone through, I've been comforted by knowing it was to help you. What I went through was painful, but if I went through it to help you, then it's got a purpose on it. And then he goes on to say, to show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. From my personal experience, I can relate to you because I'm from around here. My personal experience and how God comforted me and while you undergo the same sufferings. And here it is, he will give you the strength to endure. God gave you the strength to get through something so that you could come in and encourage somebody going through the same thing and they could find strength in them being able to overcome it. It's not a mess. It's a message. Right? It's not, it's not something you need to resent. It's something you need to let God recycle. You just got to be able to put a purpose on it. I, I'll show you a quick story that was kind of funny. So I was a youth pastor, I don't know how many years ago, a lot. Um, and there was this one kid that was in my youth group, and he had these three friends that he was always trying to bring to church. They would never come, right? They would invite them, invite them, invite them, they'd never come. One day I ran into them outside of church. It was at, I don't know where it was, a restaurant or a music store or whatever. Ran into them, and the three kids were with them. So it was four kids, the kid from my youth group and his three friends, and they were hanging out. And he introduced me to him, and I met him, and one of them had a bottle of hot sauce with him. 
I know it's weird. I can't explain. He had a bottle of hot sauce. And so I'm talking to him, and naturally I invited him to youth group, and they're like, ah, oh, man, we don't care about that stuff. You know, da, 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 da. It, was, it was cool. And so I said, what, what, what's, what's, what's up with the hot sauce? And he goes, oh, man, my dad makes this. It's the hottest hot sauce in the world. I said, no, there's no such thing. And he said, try it. I said, no, I'm not going to try it. He goes, oh, you scared? Try it. I said, I'm not going to try it. He said, come on, man, try it. Now, now they're all kind of talking. Come on, try it. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If you'll come, it was called Fusion was our youth group. If you'll come to Fusion this Wednesday night, after the service, I'll try your hot sauce. They're like, for real? I said, yeah, you, you, you come to church, and then right after church, I'll, I'll try the hot sauce. They were like, okay. I left. They, I didn't expect to see him, right? Didn't expect it. Wednesday night comes, church service is going on. I'm preaching. I look over. There's him and all three of his friends. And that boy has a hot sauce bottle in his hand. <laughs> like, you don't, can you just not set it down on the carpet for a moment? And so I get done preaching, service goes or whatever, you know, service at service. Uh, and then just like kind of like here, after service, I would kind of stand around and people would talk to me. And so I would kind of do my best. Tim was always there to try to help me navigate all this. And, and so we'd kind of sit there and talk and talk and talk. And sometimes it'd take 30, 45 minutes, an hour before everybody was gone. And, and literally that night, they tried to wait for me, but they saw that and they just, they left. And so I didn't even get to try the hot sauce. And I was like, well, stink. So the next Wednesday night comes, get up to preach. And there he is. And all three of his friends. And in that boy's hand is a bottle of hot sauce. I'm like, well, here we go again. So service went down, got done preaching, people came up, took too long, they all left. I thought, whew, lucky, got through it again. The next three weeks in a row, got up to preach, there he is, all three friends, bottle of hot sauce in his hand. Like, this is insane. Now, four weeks is how long this went on. Four weeks. They came four weeks in a row. Every week. He brought the bottle of hot sauce. So I was talking to Tim. I'm like, man, this week we have got to make this happen. These kids don't came to church four weeks in a row. Like, they're, they're basically ushers at the church now. You know what I mean? Like, we got to figure something out. And, and so we, we, we kind of stopped all the people talking. Said, hold on. We ran down. We got them. And I said, hey, hey. You know, I don't remember their names. But he's like, hey, hey, come here. Yeah, I told you I was going to try the hot sauce. He's like, yeah, yeah. So he makes me put my two fingers out, right, like this. And he just, I'm talking about just pour. And I'm like, hey, that's, that's, that's enough. That's, that's enough. And I'm looking at Tim like, Tim, get water now, right? Get water. And I mean, it's like dripping off. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? And they're like, just put it in your mouth. Taste it. And so I put it in my mouth, taste it. It was the hottest hot sauce I have ever tasted in my life. I was like, ah, I'm running around. Tim's throwing me bottled waters. I'm chugging them down. It was horrible, right? Absolutely horrible. They leave. Everything's good. We're closing down. Me and Tim would close down the youth building. We'd get ready. We'd always go out to a restaurant to eat Applebee's, Old Charlie's, whatever it might be. And there'd be 30 of our youth leaders and kids there, and we just have a good old time. We walk in, we come in, we sit down, we get to laughing, we get to talking. I forgot to go wash my hands, right? We're sitting there talking, and everybody's having a good old time. And from, from preaching and, and laughing, my eyes are starting to water, you know how it is. And not even thinking, I just reached up and went like this to rub my eyes. You can imagine. Oh, it was horrible. It was the worst thing to this day <laughs> outside of kidney stones. That was horrible to have hot sauce in my eye. The whole experience, the whole, I'm, like, I'm like in the booth laid down. You know what I mean? Darla's eating food. She ain't even paying attention. Like people are looking at me like, what's wrong with them? And we were putting water in it, sweet tea in it, whatever we could do, rubbing rolls on it. Like whatever we could do to make it go away. And finally, it took about a day, but it went away. It was miserable. But I was thinking back on it. I thought, you know what? If I had to go through that so that those boys could hear the gospel for four weeks in a row, they didn't come back after that. 
But I know that the Bible says that his word never returns void. So if I had to have some hot sauce in my eye for just a moment so that those boys could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for three weeks, four weeks, then you know what? I can put a purpose on it. And watch this. At the end of the day, I can almost look at it and say, I'm glad it happened. Still hurt, right? I will never do it again, but I'm glad it happened because those boys got to hear about Jesus. Let me tell you something about what you've gone through. I'm not taking away the pain. It hurt. I know you'll never want to do it again. Me neither. But if you'll let God put a purpose on it, you'll almost be glad it happened. Because now you have the opportunity to impact somebody else's life based off of what you went through. And you understand that it wasn't for no reason. That God is going to use it. And at the end of the day, you know what, man? It, that year was horrible. That, that relationship was the worst. That, that time of my life, I just, watching Jimmy, I just, I just want to forget about it. It was painful. Yeah, it was. But like Paul said, if you can see that somehow, some way, it's going to be able to help somebody else, then you know what? I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. I just wanted to tell you this morning, listen to me. God wants to use your life to impact the lives of other people. Amen? It was funny. I'm looking back on what Jonathan says to David. And the more I looked at it, here's the conclusion I came to. Jonathan just reminded David of what he already knew. He said, you're going to be king. My father knows it. I, I, here's what I think my job is as your pastor. You ready? I'm going to sum it all up. One job description. You can know what it is right here. I think my job is to remind you of what you already know. You already know that Christ died for you. You already know that he's got a calling on your life and he's got a purpose you already know that he wants to give you strength in hard times. He wants to set your feet on solid ground. You already know that. But sometimes we're in the wilderness, we're in the stronghold, and we forget. And it's my job to remind you of what you already know. Now watch this. You know what your job is? It's to take that sphere of influence and to remind them of what they already know. What do they already know? They already know Jesus died for them. They already know that God wants to set their feet on solid ground. They already know that God wants to give them strength. But they've been in the wilderness, in a stronghold, and they've forgotten. And your job is to remind them of what they already know. I don't, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Do it. But you don't know what I've been through. God wants to use your mess as your message. So be ready. Amen? I want to pray for you. These, two, these next two weeks are very critical. God's going to use you in a great way. And some of you, you've kind of been set free today because you've had that in the back of your mind, like, God don't want to use me. No, God can't wait to use you. He can't wait. And I believe that lives are going to be impacted and changed because of you. So, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that, God, you can take our mess and you can turn it into your message. I thank you that you can put a purpose on everything that I've gone through. And at the end of the day, I can say I'm glad it happened. 
So right now I pray for everybody in this room. Lord, as they begin to realize the circle of influence that you've put in their life, and they start to understand the message and the purpose you have for them to impact the lives of the people around them. I pray you would anoint them. I pray you'd give them confidence and boldness and strength. I pray right now that they would start to be able to see how their life can be used as their testimony. And I pray, I really do pray, that at the end of the day they can look back on something that they would have prayed away, something that they almost resent, and say, you know what, God, if you can use it to help somebody else, then I'm glad it happened. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,